Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of the Define University podcast. And of course, these are my absolute favorite episodes to record. It is another Share Your Story series. And today I am joined by a new to me educator, but I am so excited. And I know you as a Define You listener will love her as well. Her name is Pamela Hall, and Pam, so excited you are on the podcast. Welcome. Hi, Lindsay. I'm excited to be here, too, and it's the power of Twitter. Like, I never would have met you without Twitter and Mastery Chat by Teach Better Team. I just love that we're connected. Oh, my gosh. I know, and it's so funny. I was recording a podcast earlier this week, too, that we kind of said the same thing. Like, So the guest, it was on Rob Ryer, and I connected with him through Teach Better Team. And I am just so, I'm so excited that we connected. I'm so grateful you reached out and said, hey, let's connect. Because from there, you know, I was looking into all of your things, reading all your stuff. And it was one of those moments when everything I was reading, it was like smile on my face, head nod, like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm just so glad we get to we get to chat today because I think, you know, we were talking before we hit record on how similar we are. And I just think when two similar people get together, you know, sometimes people think like, oh, is it going to be like, you know, is it going to be weird? I'm like, no, we're going to like explode. We're going to have like an explosion of mindset and all things, you know, skill-based, strength, strong. And I'm just so excited. So for those of you that, or for those of the listeners that may not have connected with you yet or may not know, could you, I'd invite you to share a little bit about yourself, your journey, kind of who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Okay. Well, that is quite a lot. <laughs> but um, once again, Pamela Hall, and I am a fired up, passionate educator. I pretty much always have been until about three years ago. I'll talk more about that later when I just hit a spot that I was going to exit education, but I came up with something that reignited my passion. So I'm almost into education for three decades. And so I just want to encourage everyone listening that, you know, don't give up. Take an example of someone like me when you think you're going to be old and dried up. Oh, no way. I'm just getting started, baby. (laughs) So I've had the privilege of teaching overseas. I taught for the Department of Defense schools, and that was an absolute joy. Did that for 14 and a half years. I also had the joy, I stayed home for 12 years, and I home educated my own children. So I was still educating, and I taught at cooperatives with other families. We shared our gifts and talents. And then when my children graduated, um, I entered back into the classroom, and boy, was that ever (laughs) eye-opening. When you leave for a while and come back, it's like, oh my gosh, what in the world? So I'm forever growing and learning and changing with the times, but I believe best practices 
don't ever change. Maybe the methods do, maybe a strategy does, but best practices are best practices. And I'm just totally thankful to be back in education and hopefully encouraging others. I went, when I came back, so I've taught first grade, second grade, third grade. I've taught first and second together. I've been fortunate enough to loop from first, second, and third. So talk about a family connection. I was able to have those students three years. Um, I've taught sixth grade, biology, um, in high school, middle school, and first grade again. And currently, I absolutely love what I do. I am a STEM teacher. I teach elementary engineering. So before COVID hit, I had 711 students. And I don't have quite that many now at Carrollton Elementary, but I love what I get to do. Oh my goodness. I can only imagine all the different experiences you've had from overseas to then kind of doing it at home or with your, your co-ops. And then again, then them back in the schools. And so are you now in a public school system? Is that the type of school that you're a part of now? Yes, I am. I work for Isla White County Schools. I want to plug them because I absolutely love my school district. And I love my school, Carrollton Elementary School. I am in such a happy place right now. And as we educators know, it's not always like that. Mm -hmm. But I have found for right now my home. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. And I, you know, I, I obviously can see you right now. And, and, you know, for those of you listening, I'm sure you can hear the passion coming out of Pam. Like I can see it like pouring out of you. And that just lights me up. That gets me so excited because I think it, I, I always relate that it's, you know, small, simple and strategic things. And simply the way that we express how we feel about things doesn't take any time doesn't take any money doesn't take anything at all other than truly anchoring into that passion we hold and i just i love it and so i'm so excited to hear continue to hear about your story and one part of your story that you've already shared that we connect with is i too have had different types of experiences and you know, mine, I've, I've done residential. I worked at a residential school. I have done like private in-home ABA therapy. I worked for a non-for-profit for four years. Um, and I've been in a public school. And I think it's, it's, I, for a long time, I was like, man, I just got to find something. Like I need to stick with something. And I almost saw it as a negative. And now I am so grateful for every experience because I have, you know, working in homes, man, you learn to connect with parents real quick. And, you know, I'm going into your home. And so that I've been able to use even in teaching, you know, remotely or helping teachers teach remotely, like what's it like to connect with parents now in a different sense. And I just think, you know, what I took from that is really use your experiences and gather those strengths, right? Gather those skills that come from them. But I love that you tied it back to best practices don't change. So no matter where you're teaching, no matter what it looks like, best practice and who you get to be as the educator gets to stay, right? You get to control that. And I just, I love that you brought that in. So thank you for that. And so I got I got to know because we've already kind of started getting into this and I can only imagine how passionate your answer is going to be. But Pam, if someone asks you like what's your mission as an educator? What would you share to that person? Well, it's always been and always will be about the kids. I absolutely love kids. I believe in all kids 
and all kids can learn. And I know that educators believe that, but sometimes their actions don't always match that. And it's up to us, it's up to me to get to know all my students so well that I can meet their every need, that I can show them their gifts and talents, and I can help them feel successful and connected And so it has always been my mission to believe in all kids and to let them know that I'm never going to give up on them. If I can't help meet their needs, I will find someone who can. I will be a conduit and I will connect them with who they do have affinity with and who can help them in their life. Because I'm not naive enough to know that I I won't be able to reach each and every child. I mean, I'll try my best, but there'll be those that I won't, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to love them and I'm not going to give up on them. I will find someone who can reach them. And a couple of years ago, I got the greatest compliment from a student who was just writing in his journal. It was a first grader and it said, Mrs. Hall loves me no matter how I behave. And so to me, that's the rewards we get as an educator. So I will never give up on a child, no matter how they behave. Relationships we know are king. And I have more I'd like to share, but I'm going to come up for air and I'm sure you want to say something. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it. And you brought up such an important distinction and it is that difference between, um, maybe not difference, but the, the difference, I guess the difference between each, every, and all. Right. And I think sometimes those get like clumped together. Right. And it's so important to really break them apart, but also to realize, I love what you said. Like, it's not, it's not up to me to, to reach every single kid, but it starts with me is what I heard you say. So I'm going to show up. I'm going to do all that I can. I'm going to love every single kid because that's what I can control. I can control right? That part of the relationship, but we can't control the other part. I can't control that my love is exactly what they need, but if it's not mine, well, I know how to, I know how to help them, right? And I love that you used the word that conduit. I can be that connection. Maybe it's not the connection between me and the student, but it's, I connect them to somebody else that can be that person. And that I I don't know that I've really thought of it that way. And I love that so much because it's, I can control me. It's not all about me, but it has to start with me. And that's been a phrase I've really anchored into, especially during this pandemic time of, okay, what can I do? What can I do today to aim to be better tomorrow? And I love that theory of if you're not reaching a student, still own what part of it you can do as the educator but then maybe think outside the box a little bit to say, okay, if I can't, who, who else around me or who else can, do I know that they might be that person? And I, and I love, that's what I was hearing from you in that, what can I do? And, and then how do I just keep growing to keep growing that, that connection or strengthening that connection? Absolutely. I'd like to add to my mission. Um, I, talked about this a little bit in the introduction. And three years ago, I had reached extreme burnout. I had only been back in the classroom in public school for three years. And in that third year, it had just changed so much since I had left the field and come back in. So many more needs and trauma 
And I seem to get them all in my classroom <laughs> year after year, not just one or two, but almost all of them. And that really took a toll on me because as I just stated, I love all kids and I will do whatever it takes to meet all their needs. But in doing that, I reached a low, 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 low point and I almost left. And I know education is my calling. And so what happened is I took some time to reflect and really think about what it would take for me to stay and what I needed to do. And later I'll talk about some more of those steps, but I'm totally passionate about helping educators embrace self-care and it's a mindset. It's not just going to the spa. It's a total mindset. And I created something called strong educator and the word strong stand for S stop and remember your why. If you, anything in life, and we read books, it's such an educator cliche, why, why? But I, I mean, you really got to reflect on that and know it and have it in your face. I even had a bracelet with it embossed on the bracelet. So when I'm driving to work, I would read it and chant it and get myself pumped up for who knows what chaos was going to come my way for the day. So stop and remember your why. And the T is take time to thank. So we all know the benefits, or, or we might not know, but starting the day thankful just changes your mindset. So it's truly a mindset. I used to be jealous of the teacher across the hall because her kids marched perfectly, behaved perfectly, and my kids were the wild things. And, <laughs> and it wasn't a reflection of me. It was just who they were. And I used to be so jealous of that. And then I flipped the thinking. I reversed it. And I started being grateful for the children that I was given so I could bring out the best in them. So no matter what your situation is, reverse it and think about what could I be thankful for instead of upset about. So every day, T, take time to think. R, rest and revive. And it's not always sleeping. What is it that fills you up? And then O, omitting the negative in your life, whatever that takes. If it's media and N, never give up. I will, like I said before, I will never give up on a child. And I work toward goals. And so I'm not ever going to give up. And then G, go deeper which is to grow personally and professionally. And I'm super excited because EduMatch Publishing Company believes enough in me <laughs> that they are publishing a book coming out in 2021. And I talk about those letters um, extensively and also how to reach challenging kids. But anyway, that has now become my passion is to also help other educators be reignited with their passion and to reach every kid because that's really what I want is that every child has someone who believes in them and helps them use their gifts and talents. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, 2021, I, I cannot wait for that book because yes, again, having these moments of everything you, everything you were thinking, I'm like, yes, yes. 
And, and that was, again, so many connections already, you know, I, my burnout, so your burnout happened three years getting back into, you know, the classroom after, after being home, my, my burnout did happen in, in year three um, of teaching. And I was able to, um, I say able to, I, I, I forced my way through to make it to year five. And I ended up leaving the classroom a month, a month shy of my fifth year because I was not doing all these things. I was not strong. I, and I think the difference for me and what I heard you say, and I think it was so powerful is when I burnt out, I played the blame game. I blamed everybody outside of myself, right? I had done everything right and, and everybody else let me down. And what I learned over the next 10 years ultimately is that I was looking at it completely backwards. And what I heard you say is, you know, what I needed to do to stay in a field I loved. What did I need to do? And I love that you put that ownership on you. Because when you talk about self-care, when you talk about, you know, self, it has to reflect back to who we are. And that was something I, I learned so long. You know, it took me a long time. But again, I'm, I, I'm grateful for that experience because I know what it's like to play the blame game. And I don't, you don't get anywhere from it. And so now... It has made me a stronger educator. It's made me a stronger mom because I get to now coach and teach that to my daughter. But I think that was something I just, as soon as you said that, I wrote it down and it was like, yes, bring it back to, to me. What do I need right now? And I just think that's so, so important. And have you always been, you know, that type of, I mean, you, you, you I, I get the feeling you've always been type of a reflective kind of person, always aware of kind of what's going on. But have you always had that like inner ability to say, what is it that I need to do? Or is that something too with practice you've learned over time? I think it's something with practice, especially like growing up, I always thought it was everyone else. You know, they don't like me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I think it came with time and practice and realizing the only thing that we ultimately control is ourselves. You know, I can't control how anyone else acts. I can't even control my environment, but I can control how I respond to my environment. And so definitely it came with being purposeful and mindful, um, journaling, mm, yeah. all those wonderful things that you coach about. Yes, I love it. And actually, you mentioned journaling. And that was something that really helped me unpack my own why. And I love that you brought that up, that it's, you know, keeping that why front and center. But one thing I always coach on is, is we have, I believe, this surface level why of like, you know, why did you go into teaching, you know, to make a difference, right? There's these kind of surface levels. And one of the things I love to do when I coach educators, especially one on one, because that's where we go real deep in Define You is, I call it like the onion approach, right? Okay, so you went into teaching to make a difference. Why? And I almost, I do this like why, why, why on their why, <laughs> if that makes sense. And you get into some deep conversation. And I love that, you know, one of yours is like go deeper. And that's too what it made me think of is like, okay, but why? Okay, but why? And I know, you know, I, I get a sense just by doing this, you know, I know when to not ask why anymore. Like, and when I get there, I'm like, write that down, that is your why, right? So we go from like making a difference to, I don't know, ensuring every kid knows their value and their voice in the world, like something like that. And it's so, because I think then when you want to remind yourself of it, 
now you have something tangible and you have something that you can lock into. Yeah, I'd like to interject that sometimes your why can change. So I want listeners to know that you reminded me, you can have this overarching why, but one year my why was so narrow. It was, I hung up a picture of a child who had gone through extreme trauma and I would look at his picture for that year. And he was my why every morning to get up for him. So, you know, it can change. I think you're right. Sometimes I call it a pat answer. We sometimes have that pat answer. Oh, make a difference. But we need to always revisit that why. Because it will change year to year. It might change month to month, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because I do. I think... You know, as educators, so quickly we can get into that, well, this is my why and it can't change, right? And I'm, and I'm always like, says who? Like anytime I hear that, well, I can't, I can't. I'm like, says who? And oftentimes it's us, right? It's our own story. It's our own belief. I'm like, guess what? We get to rip that up. You get to rewrite it. You get to do you and you get to define it for you. And I love that. It might change and it probably will. <laughs> we can probably take might out of there. It will. My why as an educator year 15 is different than when I started at year one, because I'm different. So if I'm different, then of course my why is going to shift in it. I think what's really important is it doesn't mean what you've done before was wrong. It means it was absolutely perfect for what you did in the moment you did it. And I think we just get to keep growing and evolving. And I, and I love that. And so knowing that and knowing where this mission is, now I want to go back and talk about where did that kind of stem from? Like what inspired you or who inspired you to go into this profession, to go into teaching? So first of all, I, I was never going to be a teacher. <laughs> so I call it divine intervention because I really wanted to be a fashion designer. So, and I didn't think at the time, because remember it's years and years and years ago. Now trade school isn't looked upon as such a bad thing, but years and years ago, it was like go to college to be somebody. So I decided, okay, I'll go to a four-year college and I'll do business. Well, I hated accounting. I hated it so badly that I purposely took an F. I just didn't show up to class. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so business might not be my thing. How about communications? I want to be that anchor woman on the news. That's what I want to do. And so, <laughs> so then I went into communications and I quickly found out that my professors didn't think I was an, as amazing at writing as I thought I was. And I just couldn't get above a grade of a C, which I did not think was a good thing. And then here's where the divine intervention happened. I signed up for a class and I had to have the class and I didn't get it. I got like children's literature. It was so far from what I signed up for. <laughs> and I'm like, they told me, my advisor said, you have to take it because there's nothing else available. And I said, well, the only way I will take it is if I can get an English credit because I'm a communication major. So I need the English. So they agreed that I could have this. And what happened is I fell in love. I totally fell in love with children's literature. I fell in love with teaching. 
Um, simultaneously, I was given a work study job from the college tutoring or working in the classroom. So those two events, I believe, happened divinely and they changed the whole trajectory of what I decided to do with my life. And as it turns out, I still get to be like, I get to be better than the newscaster. I get to be an actress. I get to be, I mean, we educators, we get to do it all. <laughs> so I guess um, that God really knew what he was doing. And the truth is that's what he gifted me to do. Those are my gifts and my talents. And so it wasn't really a person that inspired me. But if I would say who made me so passionate, um, I write about this in my book and I'll try not to keep talking about my book so much, but I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> but I write about this. It's actually, it was my Girl Scout leader. She believed in me and I won't give it away, but she believed in me so much that she put me in positions to do things I never thought I was capable of doing. And because of that, I believe in others and I want that for others. Oh my gosh. I, I love that. I, I, I mean, and keep talking about the book because yes, you, you wrote a book. Like that's amazing. Like celebrate. I love it. Um, but I love that story. Actually, this question, like what or who inspired you? I, I, it's one of my favorite questions I get to talk about on the podcast because that's why I think everybody's story is so unique. And I think especially as young kids, you know, we so often ask, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? And I keep asking those questions. Like, this is not to say not, I think, but I think it's really important to keep exposing kids to different options and to say there's four-year schools, there's two-year schools. Guess what? There's, you might graduate and just do something different, right? I said, you know, I, I don't think, I, I love that, you know, you were like, I was, I felt limited. And I think a, a great change has been our kids don't have to be limited anymore. And we get to kind of see what it is that may inspire them. And it's okay if they don't know, you know, in, in second grade, what they want to do for the rest of their life. That's okay. That's what they get to, you know, experience life and figure out. And I just think that is so, um, I just, I love that. I love that you were like, well, I've, I found a passion and I'm going to go with it. And, and here you are. And now you're inspiring other people to fall back in love with, you know, a passion that they too, you know, once had, but maybe have, have lost sight of. And I think that is, I think that is so cool. Um, your story too, about your Girl Scout leader reminded me of, you know, I, growing up, I was super shy, super reserved, super, you know, I just didn't, I didn't have any confidence in who I was. And in high school, I was a swimmer. That's the one area where I felt confident. And in my, um, one of my high school years, the, the year during the school year, one of our, our, our top swimmer, she, she was in a car accident and, and did not make it. And she had been, she had, was supposed to be at a swim camp that summer. And her parents chose me to go in her place. And I remember swimming and I went, cause I was like, I, I I'm going to go. And I remember swimming and I couldn't, couldn't figure out what they were trying to get us to do. Is this like new skill, new, new technique. And I just remember crying, crying in the pool and crying while you're swimming is not, it's not good. You, you crash very easily. And um, I remember getting out of the pool, sobbing and her, her parents happened to be there and they saw me crying and they pulled me over and they said, you know, what's, what's going on? Like, we, we want you to enjoy this. And I said, I feel like I'm letting you down. I feel like I'm letting you down because I can't figure this out. And they go, 
that we, we didn't send you here to, to figure it out. We sent you here because we believe in you. We see something more in you than you see in yourself. And, and Jenna was her name. Jenna saw it too. Jenna talked about you when she was home. And that made me cry even more because I was like, oh my gosh. And, and I think when you have somebody that can see something in you that you don't see in yourself, it is one of the most beautiful relationships you can have because, you know, I haven't, I haven't spoken to that family since I left high school, but I, I think about them almost daily. I think about Jenna daily because of that impact and that one conversation. And I think it's just so important to remember the power of one, right? The power that that holds. And it, you, you can find that in so many people. And I love that you had someone that saw something in you that maybe you couldn't see in yourself. All right. So we, we've talked about joy. We've talked about passion this whole episode, I feel like. And, but I got to know, you know, especially on those tough days, especially on the days where it's like, man, what's going on? What continues to bring you joy as an educator? Well, it's always the students' smiles. I, I adore their smiles. And I absolutely love every single student's sense of wonder. So right now, as the STEM teacher, I teach pre-K through third grade, and the kindergartners are so uninhibited, and I absolutely love that. They have not been conformed by what they think is the right answer yet, and they let loose with their thinking. Um, They teach me so much. For example, um, I was teaching about shapes. Engineers use shapes. And a kindergartner said, Mrs. Hull, a rectangle is a stretched out square. And I thought, you know what? From now on, I'm going to use that. That makes so much more sense to a five or six or, you know, four-year-old than saying two sides are longer and two sides are shorter and they line up. I'm just going to say a rectangle is a stretched out square. And then he went on to say, Mrs. Hall, an oval is a stretched out circle. (laughs) So what brings me joy is their incredible minds. And I love deeper learning and getting them to problem solve and to learn from each other. There's more than one way to solve a problem. Each and every one of us is special. We have a role. We share our gifts and talents. And... I already said, they teach me life lessons too. So, and I love it when we teach empathy and then they take ownership and you see them showing empathy towards someone else without even having to be told that. So role modeling always is so key. And as a teacher, it's joyful to see them do what you've been role modeling for them. But I'd also like to add, I love seeing kids overcome their trauma. Mm -hmm. So when you show them that you love them and you've poured into them, it might be just one little hair of improvement. But if you think about everything they've had to overcome to reach that one little hair of improvement, that brings me great joy. Mm -hmm. So, and there's so much more, but how's that? I love it. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I love that everything you mentioned, it's, if we, stay, if we stay present and we stay open to looking for it, we will find it, right? I love that you start, like a student smile. Well, I can see that thousands of times a day if I'm present and aware enough 
to look for it, right? So you have to know that that brings you joy to see someone else smile. Well, now you know to look for it. And I just think it's so important that, again, these are simple things we can look for. But what often I see educators miss is we miss the, the awareness to look for it, right? And, and I love, I was over here laughing with the, the shape because I, I tutored over the summer and I did a lot of small groups on, on things like that shape, super five, you know, four and five-year-olds. And without a doubt, when we did oval, without a doubt, every time it was, well, yeah, it's a smooshed circle, <laughs> I was like, yes, okay, yes. And then, you know, and, you know, we want to, I often, like, I wanted to make it technical. Well, it's, it's round. And, you know, I was like, no, you're absolutely right. It's a smush circle. Like, boop. And we just, it was just awesome. So I love that you brought that up. Now, everybody listening, every time we hear rectangle, we're all going to think stretched out square, which is perfect. And I absolutely love it. So, um, yeah, and I, and I love that you tied in hope at the end. Like for me, I think when we can give students hope and we can see their success, and I love that you said, even if it's the smallest thing, it is still worth celebrating and it is still worth highlighting that moment of success. And when we can do that, we just get to keep building and building that momentum, which I think is fabulous. All right, well, I, I feel like we have shared so much advice during this episode but I know, I know there is more to share. So I would love to know kind of what is that piece of advice that you would want to share with our Define You listeners today? Okay, well, number one is give yourself grace and space to make mistakes. And I know we say that, but I mean, really mean it, really own it. Because I think educators tend to be perfectionists. So I want everyone to remember progress over perfection, leave teacher guilt behind, and above all, don't compare yourself to others. And like I said before, don't compare your kids to other people's kids either. Because the truth is, we don't know what they might be going through with their kids that look perfect. (laughs) Just be thankful for who you are, where you are, and what you have and work on you, be so consumed with what can I do to be better that you don't see the rest of the world because that doesn't matter. (laughs) And I think we just get wrapped up in that and probably more so now than ever before. Um, I began education before cell phones and before all the social media. So there wasn't the pressure to have Pinterest perfect classrooms. There wasn't the pressure of, I think, all this pressure that educators put on themselves. And that's not what's going to matter to kids. If you want a perfect room, do it for you because that's your space and that makes you feel comfortable and more productive. But don't do it for what others think because all you have to do is love the kids and they're going to love you back. You can show up in an ugly skirt and they're still going to love you if you love them. So, I mean, just don't compare yourself and get wrapped up all in the things. Run your race. Don't drag your work home. I did that year after year after year and it swallowed me. And prioritize what must be done. Um, I know I've got way more, but I'm going to go through it. Schedule your priorities instead of your schedule. Okay, let me try this again. Schedule your priorities instead of prioritizing your schedule. That means you're in control. What are the top three things you're going to get done today? 
and then celebrate those and don't feel guilty about all the stuff on your list you didn't do. Just that goes back to your why. When you know your why, you'll know your top three and you'll know what you need to schedule instead of just letting life run you. And so, and take time for yourself. I mean, now more than ever, you hear self-care, 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 but it's that important. Take time for yourself. And I said this in the beginning, but keep growing. So this is my 28th year as an educator at some capacity. And I'm still learning. I'm still in the process of getting better and better. I'm still, I have a whole book stock on equity. We're doing an equity project. I want to understand and, and get in the minds and think like others. Yeah, I'm still growing. I learned from you, Lindsay. So keep growing and, and get around people that are movers and groovers and, and leave the complainers behind. Oh my gosh. So much, so much guys, listeners, you might need to rewind that and listen to that again, because Holy, Holy smoke, so much advice. And I, I couldn't agree more with all of them. Two things that I, that jumped out to me is, is actually one of the things you said first, which is, you know, space and grace. And I'm a huge, I'm a huge word lover. So I love rhymes, I love phrases, I love quotes. And something that I have been telling staff all year, I feel like, and last year too, because we often had a phrase um, through our through our training at school where we would say, sometimes students just need time and space, right? It is okay to give them that time to walk away, to keep teaching and to have them be at their desk, quote unquote, doing nothing because quote unquote, they are doing something. They're processing, they're feeling, they're, they've got something else impacting their ability to do the demand that we're trying to put on them in that moment. But this year I've been adding, we've got to give time and space an extra grace because we, what I was seeing is educators were walking away. They were giving the time and space, but then they were still, we still have these expectations of, but when is that going to get made up? When are they going to complete that assignment? And I was like, no, they're not. Like, they're not going to do the assignment right now because what they need is time and space. And I realized grace, adding in that grace factor was where we, to me, almost made it more personal, right? It was your, your grace because you understand there is something going on. And yes, you know, I get that. But what if they're just avoiding? Well, then we have a conversation. What are you avoiding? What's going on? Because even avoiding comes from somewhere. And so I just think I, I cannot stress that enough. Um, I love that you, you started with that. Because I think it is so important to give to students, but also to ourselves. Because like you said through this episode too, best practices, they, they, they are for everybody. So if it's best practice that we give our students time, space, and grace, guess what? <laughs> It is best practice that we give it to ourselves as well, as often as we can. And the other thing I really related to is I love that um, prioritize, um, I'm going to get it so that I get it right too. Schedule your priorities instead of prioritizing your schedule because, and I, one of my favorite, those that have done courses with me know my favorite, um, I guess, productivity tool is to me, a to-do list is only ever three things long, no matter what. If it's more than three, it is a brain dump list. And when I started doing that, I just, I was so much clearer on, okay, my to-do list is three or less. Well, I can do that. And sometimes I get through one list in a day and those are my top three. Sometimes I can get through a ton because I'm just, I'm going and I'm going and I'm feeling it, but that's up to me to decide. But I stopped feeling guilty about what was on my other list because it was just a brain dump. It was just ideas. It wasn't like, a, well, I have to do that today. 
Because guess what, listeners? If you have to do something, you're living in shouldville because you think you should, not because you want to. So by doing that, creating that system, I am way more productive, even on the days I do three, because I'm getting things done with joy and with excitement. So thank you for sharing those. I'm, I absolutely love all the tips you just shared. So since you said I could talk about the book, I write about not shooting on yourself in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. Oh, yes. I, you know, for me, I realized my burnout came because I lived in Shubville. I should do this. I should do that. And, you know, I remember my coach, one of the first times I invested in myself, she goes, but what do you want? And I go, I, I, I couldn't answer that question. She's like, what do you want? I was like, I, I don't know. I'm like, well, I should. And I, I kept saying, she's like, no. <laughs> and we had this, you know, really hard conversation, but one of the best conversations. So I was like, I don't know what I want. So that was where we started. I had to figure out what I wanted out of life. And I had no idea because I wanted, I wanted to do what I thought I should do for other people. And, and I just think that is so important. Um, and so thank you for, for sharing all of that with us today. Um, uh, before we wrap up, I know there was, you wanted to talk about, um, or I want you to be able to share with people you know, the different resources that are on your website. So what I would love is if you would share that and then let people know what that is or how that is they can connect further with you. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. So what I would love, you guys, is check out my website. When you go to my website, there is one of those, for some people, they're really annoying, those pop-ups. <laughs> but it pops up on the website and it's a super cool thing for you. I wrote a book on how to connect with challenging students and win their trust. And the reason I did that is many educators say they are frustrated or they don't have time. Well, when you can harness behavior challenges and win their trust, then you have more time. So I really encourage you to go check that out and get that for free. It's a freebie PDF, or some people call it ebook, but whatever the modern term is for that nowadays, <laughs> it's free and it's for you. And it's a quick and easy read. And also, there's somewhere on my website, it says, inspire me. So you can connect in an hour community with hundreds of others that have joined in to be inspired, I don't send out a newsletter very often, actually, because I'm a full-time educator. Imagine that. So I send something out at the most once a week. Um, sometimes it can be once a month. And it's always um, trusted, protected. I never give it out spam. So please go to the website and join in. Um, our community. I would love to have you. Oh, I love it so much. And I know, obviously, we've connected on Twitter. So if, if people are on Twitter, and if you're not, get out, get over there. But if you are not, or if they are, um, Pam, what's, how, how can they find you there? So on Twitter, my handle, and actually my handle for everything is at Pam, P-A-M, Hall, H-A-L-L, the numeral two, Inspire and inspire N-I-N-S-P-I-R-E. And just real quick, I know we're probably running out of time, but I want people to know that that didn't come out of arrogance. Like, I think I'm so inspiring, Pam Hall to inspire. Really what happened is I've only been on Twitter for about a year. 
<laughs> and I was getting my hair done and I was asking the person doing my hair, hairstylist, I'm like, I am so late to the Twitter game that all the Pam Halls are taken and I don't want to be Pam Hall slash dot one, two, three. <laughs> what in the world can I do? And so she asked me an important question. Like you asked people, Lindsay, and she's like, what is it you want to accomplish? And I said, I want to inspire. I really want people to be inspired. And then, so that's how I got my handle, Pam Hall, the numeral two, Inspire. It's on all platforms. Oh, I love it. And I love the story because, well, first, I was going to say, it's okay. You can find yourself inspiring because you absolutely are. But I love that. That is your goal. Your goal is to inspire those that need it. And I, and I fully trust in that, that it is, it is all about being who we are and then we get to inspire those. So I, I am so grateful, Pam, for you sharing your story today with our listeners. Um, thank you so much for being on the Define You podcast today. Thank you for having it. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for just being the light in the world that you are. I am so thankful to know you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. Remember, all the info to connect with Pam will be in the show notes. So check those out. And um, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, another new episode will drop next week. And so until then, continue to trust who you are, love who you are, own who you are, and help those will help you define who you are each and every day. So until next week, everyone, have an awesome week ahead, and we will talk soon.